Welcome to Science with Soul. I'm Dr. Laurie Valentine and the host of this program. I'm a physician, evidential psychic medium, international keynote speaker, and the author of Med School After Menopause, The Journey of My Soul. This podcast was inspired by events from my own life, and as I have journeyed through life, it has taught me that we're part of a greater divine web of interconnectedness. I have walked the path of illness, healing, and transformation, and after experiencing two near-death experiences, I became clairvoyant, clairaudient, and clairsentient, and I was guided to attend medical school at the age of 54. In this podcast, we will meet many different types of doctors, healers, spiritual leaders, educators, and other interesting souls. And it is my hope that you will gain information from this podcast to help create a path of healing your own life physically, emotionally, and spiritually, and bridge the gap between science and soul. Welcome to Science with Soul. I'm Dr. Lottie and the host of this podcast. Today, I'm honored to introduce PMH Atwater LHD for a second interview. If you haven't listened to the first interview, then go find it and listen to it because it's amazing and you will learn a lot about near-death experiences. Today, she's going to be talking about her book, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. So PMH, who is one of the original researchers in the field of near-death studies, having begun her work in 1978, She has written 18 books on the subject of near-death experiences. In Near-Death Experiences, the rest of the story wraps up her early work with nearly 5,000 adult and child experiences of near-death states while further exploring her theory about transformations of consciousness, a theory she first began to investigate in 1966 back in her home state of Idaho. Some of her findings in the near-death field have been verified in clinical studies. Among them, the prospective study done in Holland and published in the Lancet Medical Journal 121501. Her The Big Book of Near-Death Experiences brought the entire field of near-death studies up to date worldwide and was featured in an online version of Newsweek magazine. Her The New Children and Near Near States, along with the Forever Angels Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact, turns around what we thought we knew about child experiences. Dying to Know You, Proof of God in the Near-Death Experience stands alone as a summary of thousands of experiencer voices, their words, their truth, their wisdom, the people's book. In 2005, she was awarded the Outstanding Service Award for the International Association for Near-Death Studies and the Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Association of Transpersonal Hypnotherapists as well as an honorary PhD from a school in Sri Lanka. In 2010, she was also awarded the Nancy E. Bush Award for Literary Excellence and the Lifetime Achievement and Special Services Award, both from IANS. She has presented her findings for many organizations and schools, including twice at the United Nations and a guest on such TV shows as Geraldo, Regis and Kathy Lee, Larry King Live, Sally Jesse Raphael, and Entertainment Tonight. She has been a guest on hundreds of radio shows, 
including several with George Nury and one with Art Bell. Her books have been published in over 12 countries. In April 2018, she won the 2017 Silver Nautilus Award in honor of her recent book, A Manual for Developing Humans, for offering a potent and powerful message for today's world. A generational researcher as well, she summarized the changes now occurring in the human race in Children of the Fifth World, a guide to coming changes in human consciousness and beyond the indigo children. Her own story as an experiencer of near-death states, I died three times in 1977, the complete story, is available at amazon.com. She became a researcher in the field of near-death studies because of what she was told to do during her third NDE by a voice she came to call the voice like none other. <clears throat> that voice also told her to write three specific books. The first was not named, but it could have been coming back to life. The second is future memory, and the third, a manual for developing humans, which she recently won the Silver Nautilus Award. A prayer chaplain, visionary counselor, wife, mother, grandmother, great-grandmother, her website is filled with many services and features, among them the marketplace, where near-death experiences and those like them can promote their products and services without charge. Her monthly newsletters are free, and you can sign up at www.pmhatwater.com. Welcome, PMH. I'm so delighted to have you back on the show. I can't wait for you to share the information about your book, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. Can you tell us what led you to write that book? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a little angry. <laughs> and the reason I got angry was, was back in the 90s, I um, was researching children then. Now, that was my first big um, research project with children. It was in the 90s. And that produced the, the book, The New Children and Near-Death Experiences. And, and I found a lot of anomalies. Um, things that just didn't make sense um, didn't make sense didn't make sense to me and I, I was beginning to wonder um, did I make a mistake did I overlook something uh, what's really going on here so I tried for years to get other researchers to use their protocol and do the same thing and I couldn't interest a single person can you believe that not wow. a single person, person, and that's why I got a little angry, and I decided, well, if you're not going to do it, I am. <laughs> oh, so, did it again. Uh -huh. This time I did it a little differently. With the first group, um, I was uh, um, researching mostly young people. The youngest was four years old. From then on up into, you know, young adults. And, you know, people looking forward in life. This time, I went after the same type of, of, of experiencer. You know, someone who had had their experience between birth and the age of five and who could verify it, but who were now in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, and, and so I, I was asking them this one question did 
having a near-death experience that young make any difference in your life? If it did, tell me about it. Well, <laughs> I just got flooded with, with, with cases. And, and believe it or not, they were all verified, even those in their 80s. That woman who was 82 had a younger sister who could remember. And I talked with the younger sister. And, you know, it was really, really true. She really uh, experienced these things. So I was just delighted in that regard. But uh, the, the flood of people who came through, tear-stained essays, so tear-stained I could hardly even read them. People in poverty, and I was so thrilled. I mean, the, the people complained. They complained, Dr. Lottie, because mm -hmm. other researchers would not reach out to people like them. Um, I had a number of cases from people in Ecuador. I had um, people um, uh, who grew up in the voodoo religion, never knew the, the word God, never knew the world, you know, Bible or any of that. They were voodoo. And, uh, you know, I ran into a lot of child abuse, but three specific where the child was subjected subjected from birth to satanic rituals so i ran into some really heavy stuff here one in particular who had 17 ndes by about the age of nine wow i mean she was tortured terribly so i ran into a lot of stuff um, so I, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> it's really hard to shut me up when I start talking about this <laughs> book because it's unlike any others, because I've got the first swing from the little ones looking forward. I've got the second swing, older ones looking backward. This is the only book that, um, where we can get the full round. Dr. Bruce Grayson, you know, is one of the one of the, the best of the scientific uh, researchers said was absolutely thrilled with this book. He said that you know it, it doesn't exist anywhere where we can look forward and look backward. The full round of, of the full life. Mm -hmm. What is it like? to have a near-death experience and grow up with it or be with it. And so now we know. What were the things you that you found that were life-changing or how they lived differently? Well, first of all, let me say, <laughs> 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 these children have known before. Uh-huh. So we're, we're, we're focused here on birth to the age of five and and almost all of these kids had no before let me give you an example one of of those in my research base had her near-death experience inside the womb as she was being born while her mother was trying to commit suicide 
So, I mean, you know, I got, <laughs> I, and I had several cases where they could remember their conception. They were there, <laughs> you know, when mom and dad did their thing. And, and when they were older, older, older as a child, told their parents about it. And they were absolutely, absolutely correct. Much to the parents' embarrassment. You know, it's just... <laughs> So and it was ver verified. <laughs> you get it in, in the, yeah. this kind of issue then. Mm -hmm. uh, and the issue of, is, is it a fetus? Well, you know, my kind of, re my research clearly shows that these are the pre-born. And um, forget the word fetus. Don't use the word fetus. It doesn't even apply. That 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 baby, or the preborn, or they hear, they see, they remember, and they know. And it's just the book is going to blow you away. What you know? What these kids <laughs> pick up and what they see. Wow, amazing! I I remember. I don't know if it was the Forever Angels or a different book I read, but there was a a child that had a near drowning in a pool and met his brother in heaven. And it was um, an aborted child from. The, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> remember that story? Jimmy and then, yes. Give me John. <laughs> you know, um, um, let's just focus on that for just a minute. This is in Northern Utah. Okay. So they have good Mormon family. Um, and it's backyard swimming pool. They only had one child. Mom is in her late twenties. Dad is in his early thirties. Um, the child drowns in the backyard, uh, pool. Uh, the child is maybe, oh, I don't know, four or five, something like that. And, um, you know, good Mormon neighborhood. Uh, they call for the, you know, the EMT crews, but the whole neighborhood turns out and comes there to help. So you've got a large crowd. They get the boy out of the water. You know, they're pumping him. They get the water out of his lungs. And, and the first thing he says, and his mother is looking at, at him, and she's so relieved, you know, a precious son. And so he looks at mom and, and he's, he's very excited. And he says, mom, mom, I met my little brother. And he told me all about when you had him pulled from your tummy when you were 13 or 13, 14, something like that. And, and <clears throat> you know, the mother never told anybody about the abortion, nobody. Um, Nobody knew. That was her secret. But she wasn't affected by that at all. She she didn't, uh, I mean, she wasn't haunted by that in any way. So it was a shock to her. It was a shock to her husband and everybody else. So little Jimmy John was just thrilled. He was so happy that he had a little, uh, a, a baby brother to talk to. Um, 
But mom and dad became very, very upset. And unfortunately, it resulted in a divorce. Mom had a nervous breakdown and, and dad divorced. But, uh, you know, sometimes these incredibly beautiful stories lead to um, not so nice after effects, difficult after effects. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when we're talking about children, this idea of no before, because they don't have that. Um, so they're, they're, they're dealing with the issue differently. They're seeing it differently. And uh, when, when we're looking not only at the experience, but how to handle it, the average adult takes about seven to 10 years to integrate their experience. The average child, though, takes about 20 to 40. And that's because children do not integrate. They, they, they compensate. So it's, it's a very different tra tra trajectory. Um, it affects children very different. Um, you know, I had all kinds of cases, abuse issues, drownings, birth, um, birth issues, high fever. But, you know, after a child has had an experience like this, a young child will think differently than anybody else in the family. I mean, you know, nine chances out of ten, the child's going to see right through the parents, the siblings, the school teachers, the school kids. Um, <laughs> they often take out-of-body trips. They'll see things very, very differently. Um, you know, when they get into the school system, it's like, wow, because they know more than the teacher does. Most of them do. They know more than all the kids, kids do. So they're subject to bullying. They're subject to, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and they can really have a rough time in school, or <laughs> in most cases, they're just bored out of their tree. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, typical of children who have a near-death experience. They have heightened senses afterward. They have a vivid imagination. They have intellectual curiosity and drive. They're highly psychic and intuitive. But they're very lonely. They just don't blend. They have a higher IQ. They have deep capacity to get to care. You know, very empathetic. Great potential for the eth ethical path. Aware of future moments. You know, uh, things future become very real to them in the now. Strongly independent, even if shy. And they have a non-linear development. Um, let me just talk about <clears throat> three cases here. And then let's talk about this non-linear development and what they face in school. Because this is so important. The cases I was talking about, uh, um, this, this one is Penny. Um, and Penny had a womb experience. That is to say, she's still in the womb. And so, and so she's talking about 
being in the womb, what she hears, what she sees. And her mother was a smoker. And so the Penny in the womb, she would, she would get very ex excited um, when she would pick up that her mother was going to smoke. She would, uh, she would pick up the feelings that the mother had when she wanted to smoke. And she would become very anxious because she knew, she absolutely knew what that meant, that the bad taste was coming and soon she would feel high. And she didn't like that at all. She didn't like her mother smoking. Terrible, terrible. Um, and it's the same way with mothers who are drinking and alcohol. Kids in the womb don't like that. They don't like that at all. Uh, let me do another one, a rape victim. This is a two-year-old. She's called Alma. And she's raped continuously by the family's uh, best friend or a friend that would come to visit, a great big guy. Um, he was uh, quite sizable. And he would go into her bedroom and shut the door. And the family liked him, you know. They, they didn't know what he was doing in there. They didn't bother to check. He'd go in there and rape this little two-year-old. And the picture, the drawing is in the book. If you, if you, please look at the picture she drew because she's drawing that she leaves her body and she goes up above near the ceiling and she watches what's going on. Um, what's important here, I believe, is that when any child is hurt or terrified or something is going on, they will invariably leave their body. They will invariably go up on the ceiling or high up and look down and see what's going on. That's not, uh, that's not what I would call an out-of-body experience. That's what I would call defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism children have. If they're threatened, if they're terrified, if they're scared, they will invariably leave their body and, and then look back. Um, so um, uh, I, th I think this is important for all of us to know. That is a defense mechanism. Forget about being psychic. They're doing that to save themselves and to save their personality to save their soul, to save their mind. And another one is, is this one about, and it's a black light experience. I want everybody to know that, <laughs> that children often have black light experiences, black light or dark light. Um, adults can too, uh, um, but with adults, they, they usually don't talk about it that much, but children do. And, and with child experiencers, you have the three lights. You have that bright or white light. You have the dark or black light. Uh, it's often seen with purple tinges to it. Or you have this very raw, piercing, powerful light that really doesn't have any special color. And, and the children, when they're talking about these lights, they say, well, 
that that bright or that white light that's father light and that dark or black light that's mother light and that raw piercing light that's god's light and you know the father light and the mother light they both come from god's light and i i love to have children explaining that it's just so so incredible you know, it, there's something about this dark or black light that's very healing. It, it's it's just very comfortable. It, it's it's very um, nice. It's very wonderful to be in. It, it they can snuggle up in that light, and it's just a wonderful thing to a child. There's nothing negative about a black or dark light. Um, Sometimes you can get that, yes, in some cases, but very rare. Um, it's, it's a very comfortable light. So in the book, we we have this case of star, and she drew it, and I'm 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 amazed <laughs> that, that they were able to to print that in such a way that it does indeed look like a dark light experience, and uh, star really shut. Um, I want to uh, quote her. What I remember pre-utero was a room with black living walls. There were no words that were ever exchanged, only thoughts. We were near the end and I was preparing for my final choice, which means she, she was getting um, ready to actually be born. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think that's so important to to realize or to think that children can have black light or dark light experiences you know um if you if you if you want to think in terms of adults who have them too uh you want to get a hold of the big book of near-death experiences you know the, that's it that's the only encyclopedia ever written in the world about near-death experiences um, you can get that from the International Association for Near-Death Studies, certainly, get on their website, you can get it anywhere, any store, any, you know, Amazon, the big book of near-death experiences, and in there, I give a case of, of an adult. It was a man, he went to the hospital, he's supposed to have surgery in, in the morning, it was a very serious surgery, um during the night um well you know as he was laying in the hospital bed he saw this black light come out of the wall it literally came out of the wall and just covered him totally just completely covered him like a cocoon and he, he, he just couldn't imagine that, but he wanted to sleep. So he slept in that black light. And the next morning, the doctors could not find the condition at all. He did not have to have surgery. He was sent home all because of that black light. There's something very healing and precious and wonderful about black light experiences for a child or an adult uh but you know when when we get into the after effects oh 
that's where we get into really fun stuff and funny stuff uh, because of, of these children. Um, you know, most of them, of them, at least in my research base, and, uh, and I want to say here, this is 397 people. This is a major study. Most of them were, were, were um, abstracting by the first grade. When I say abstracting, the, 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 these kids were able to be subjective and, and look forward and understand things from higher levels. Even when they were two years old, three years old, some of them had library cards by then, uh, going back to the days when we actually had library cards. Um, let me give you a case in point about a child who uh, began to abstract. This is a first grader, so he's, he's six. Um, maybe, maybe not quite six. He drowns about halfway through the school year. And when he's old enough to go back to school, he's reading Greek mythology and understands it. Now stop for a minute. First grade. What are they reading in the first grade? See, Bot Run, Dick and Jane. This kid reading Greek mythology and understands it. And then he went up to his teacher and he said, Why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written? Tilt. Tilt. What are you going to do with this kid? So she had to pull him out of school, you know, and put him in a special learner. Uh, another um, big, big one is synesthesia. Um, yeah, I, I'll talk about synesthesia now. Synesthesia is an elaboration of the limbic system in the brain. So it has to do with our senses. Um, and, and so th there's a change in sensory, um, how, how we pick up things with our senses. So um, this, is, um, this is Penelope. And uh, she, she has blended her multiple senses. And, and so with her, she dances with numbers in her mind and in the in the in the dancing that she does she's able to um figure out complex math she's able to do all kinds of math and and the way she's doing it is she's dancing in circles with numbers in, in not only in her mind but in her eyesight this is what she sees l let me give you an, another example of synesthesia and i'm, I'm going to use myself here i, I wasn't <laughs> i'm not a near-death experiencer at birth um 
my near-death experiences happened in, the, in adulthood, uh, but I was born with it. So I was the only, only kid in the first grade who had synesthesia. And so that means I was the only kid in the first grade who could um, who could smell color, who could see um, I, I could see and dance with with numbers and all kinds of of different things. Um, and my teacher was 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 horrified, and, and she called. She called. She sent me to the principal. You know what's the matter with this kid? She's lying. She's lying. You know she smells color. She sees numbers. Uh, she sees music. She hears numbers. Um, and the principal called my mother three times to um, get me kicked out of school. Fortunately, my mother sort of held her ground, thank you, mom, would not allow me to be kicked out of the first, two, first grade. But I had to spend most of the first grade on a tall stool in front of the class wearing a tall um, cone-shaped hat that said dunce on it as an example of a bad child who told lies. Um, so I was one of those kids, and fortunately for me, uh, it made me angry. It, did, it didn't, you know, floor me. It made me angry. And I did, yeah, you know, I just decided, well, all adults are stupid, and I'm never going to be an adult when I grow up. <laughs> you know, I was just so angry at these dumb people because I was telling the truth. Well, how, how's a kid going to know? You know, I mean, if you have blended or sensory um, uh, or enlarged or different senses, how are you going to know that? Um, so it, it's, it can be really difficult with kids. Um, so they're, they're dealing with I, I, I want to just sort of take a breath here. I want to take a breath here. Before I get into uh, percentages and numbers, because these, these are children between birth and the age of five, especially the, you know, the babes and the toddlers who absolutely have no knowledge, most of them don't, of what a human being is. There's a number of them, uh, we can get into past lives, reincarnation. So you're gonna see that in the book, the, the, the Forever Angels. They even drew some pictures, and, you know, they could remember past lives. But the majority looked at it very differently. And I think um, I, I would at least offer this to all of us. How they regard things. 
they look at life as a life stream, an ongoing stream. And it'll dip once in a while. Whenever it dips, that's a life. And then it comes back to the stream. Then it might dip again a little over here. That's another life. It comes back to the stream. In other words, the what what's important, what life is, what real life is, the life continuum. So it really challenges all of us, I do believe, those of us who really get into reincarnation and, you know, and we're looking back at, you know, what's this, what's that, where did it come from? But these are kids that, um, they're looking at the life stream, that it's all a stream of consciousness, not a stream of lives, but a stream of consciousness. And it, it really, I, I truly feel their stories challenge all of us. Just, wow. Um, but if we're going to get into some of the percentages uh, I came up with, especially on intelligence, because that's just going to blow you away. Those... Um, you know, in my first study, it was from birth to the age of 15. I, I had hardly any teenagers at all or tweens that um, uh, participated in that study. And the oldest were in their were seven years old. So most of them were birth to the age of five, maybe six. So in that group now we're talking 397 people in that group 48 percent were scoring between 150 to 160 when they were old enough to take standard iq tests uh, school teachers will say well you know genius is maybe 132 maybe 140, these are, 48% of these kids were scoring between 150 to 160. Now, those under the age of, of six, so we're gonna take out any older kids at all, it's 81%. If you get birth to 15 months, especially, if they had a dark light experience instead of a bright or white light experience, their scores be begin at 180 and above. Where, I mean, <laughs> there's something about the near-death experience. You know, I, I have a theory about this. And, and, you know, I can't prove this. But it's what I've seen again and again and again. Yeah, the younger the child, the more you see this. And it's almost as if, an, 
I call a near-death experience a, a power punch. Um, it really, it, it really just hits you like a power punch. And so you've got this power punch happening to little bitty kids, babes and toddlers, when the brain is just beginning to lay down all the circuitry. So it seems to me like it's interfering with the normal process of intelligence. Um, so what you see afterward, and it, you know, you see it with adults too. Um, changes in 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 brain function and 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 brain chemistry. I, I I'm just sure it's happening more with little kids. Um, you get that bigger jump. And, and it makes a lot of sense to me because with that bigger jump in intelligence, they're not interested in, in what normally interests, like, for instance, an adult experiencer. They're not in, just interested in before and after. They want to know what, an, what a human being is. They want to know about science. They want to know about history. Um, you get into my chapter on uh, historical cases. Most of those kids got into science or some form of science because, because they want to know about the world. They want to know about um, what makes people tick, what makes the world tick, uh, you know, how things go. And so, um, I mean, the, the average adult is, is more interested in emotional feelings and, you know, the family and this kind of thing. The average kid doesn't, doesn't they don't care less, you know. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> you know, they want to get into why... Um, why we make paper the way we do and 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 one of those people is in that historical cases where he got into how we we um how we get at pulp and trees and he came up with a different way of doing that that is easier quicker less expensive that got an, a big award and and all of that was revealed to him during his near-death experience <laughs> don't you love it <laughs> wow then afterward and he he just he had it all how to do it and <laughs> you'll love this and he waited until he could get a doctorate to prove what he knew as a child experiencer. Wow. He, he went and got, and got that doctorate so he could prove it. Because he now has a doctorate, people can't argue with him. But he said, you know, I didn't, I got all of that information from my near-death experience. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't get it from getting a doctorate. So, I, I mean, I love that. And so, you know, these kids, 
so, you know, one thing I want to mention here, 90%, 90% lose their bonding with parents um, or never had it to begin with. There's just no bonding there. That doesn't mean they don't love them. They're not bonded to them. And same way with brothers and sisters. It's like, what's a brother? What's a sister? And, and the brothers and sisters feel the same way looking back at them. They think that that kid came from another planet, obviously, be because, you know, they don't seem to fit this family. Um, so you get a lot of that. But you get these incredible people um, with 61% um, are, are uh, aware of the future before it occurs. 62% um, often have out-of-body experiences, vivid dreams, 70%, yet turn to drug use, 46%, turn to alcohol, 45%. Um, Gee, just empathetic, 84%. I mean, you get numbers that just blow your mind. <laughs> and, and yet, I want to give you this number. It's 74%. Remember that, 74%. So we've got 397 people. 74% have a very successful life a number of them became millionaires a very successful life now hear this 74 percent same number either want to commit suicide or have suicide ideation how can we have successful people who want to commit suicide? This is this is this is a big, 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 big biggie, uh, and and I want to talk about this. Thirty-four percent of these people were positive about their near-death experience. Sixty-one percent were negative. Hear that were negative. Why were they negative? Because growing up and finding their place in life was just too difficult. Let me go further and deeper into that. We, 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 we just don't realize What's happening here? These people, guilt for wanting to go back, going back to the other side, betrayal for being kicked out because, um, you know, um, they wanted to stay, but they got kicked out. They never really understood what, what being a human being is. Let's take another look at how a child's mind works. For a child, 
suicide is not a big deal. The average child will look at at, at, at that this big beautiful world they were in, this wonderful life continuum, this incredible place. And then they have to leave it for whatever reason they leave it. And they're, and, and they're now breathing. In this wonderful place, they were not breathing. Now that they've left this wonderful place, they're now breathing. They don't understand why that that wonderful loving place is gone for a child they'll do this wake up like wake up like whoops whoops i was in that beautiful place but i was there when i wasn't breathing now that i'm breathing in again i'm not there anymore aha the way to get back is to stop my breathing so they, they don't feel guilt about that. There's no problem with that. That to them is perfect logic to go back. Uh, to commit suicide, to go back. Now, in um, the New Children and Near-Death Experiences, in the back of that book is a large resource section where I give lots of how-tos, how to handle this. And the biggest one of all that is so simple, teach these children how to do that kind of sitting down, visioning being there, enjoying being there, and then let go of it. They learn how to do these vision quests where they can go back, visit for a little while, and then come back to this world. And, and, and they then begin to understand they can go back and forth without having to change their breathing. They're still breathing both ways. If you teach children how to do visualization, just visualization, that will make a huge difference in how they're able to accept and live in the two worlds and eventually the two worlds will, will become one world and they'll be able to integrate back into this one you know and teach them show them the, the, that they don't want to stay there they just want to visit and then come back because this life the, this is where they're to do the work um you know this is where they do their learning and, and growing they want to stay here um, but th there's lots of ideas also in the Forever Angels. And, you know, 
before we run out of time, I want to quickly touch on the medical. You know, you're a doctor. Let's touch on the medical thing because the average near-death experiencer, child or adult. Now, hear this, everybody. The average near-death experience. I said average. Can no longer handle medication given by the typical allopathic medical doctor, especially children, because children um, are medicated according to age and weight. If that child had a near-death experience, then you must medicate differently. Give them less, lot less. Um, homeopathics are wonderful. Um, osteopathic physicians, great people to go to. Uh, even MD, MDs who have come to realize the difference. Um, huge, big thing. You don't want them out in sunlight, really bright sunlight too long. It, it, it could be, um, they come back uh, light sen sensitive, same way with sound. You know, you, you don't want those really loud sounds because um, they're sound sensitive as well. Uh, so you want to be a little bit careful there. Um, I want to give just, just a, an example here of an adult who had a near-death experience, I think she was six, maybe seven, five, six, seven, I forget exactly what age. She was uh, on the Jersey Shore, she went out too far, she drowned, and um, a nearby bather ran out real fast, grabbed her, um, was able to save her, save her, um, from drowning. She did drown, but, you know, able to bring her back. So she's now, she's now a full-grown woman. She's in her 40s. She has a medical condition. She's rushed to John Hopkins Hospital. And God bless the man, uh, the doctor, the doctor who received her in the workup he asked her if she'd ever had a near-death experience. All doctors need to ask their patients in their workup, have you ever had a near-death experience? She had, she told him. Right away, he reduced her medication to less than a child would get. She recovered and went home the next day please hear this uh and i know you do this dr lana yourself um the average near-death experiencer cannot handle typical medications thank you very true have been there myself and still still am um, that is a very important for for physicians to know, and I wish it could be part of regular medical school training to yeah. bring awareness you know to this because it 's a very important topic 
Um, as we're talking about children, uh, can you just talk a little bit about your Animal Lights book? Um, yes, yes. Um, you know, these kids come back and they're talking about uh, uh, being in the womb and they're talking about being on the other side and, and the light realms and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I wrote six little books. It's called the Animal Light Series. You can get it on Amazon. There are only people who, who stock it. Animal Lights. And, and, um, and um, there is, um, there's uh, six different baby animals. And the purpose is, um, so um, the animals then go through coming into this world, um, being light beings, coming into form, getting in the mommy's womb, and being born um, for the purpose of, so mom and dad can sit down and have lots of fun with their child going through these beautifully illustrated, fun little bitty books. And mom and dad can say, well, did you have anything like that? happened to you? Do you remember anything like Busy Betty Wiggles does? So it opens up the conversation for adults to talk about what their child might remember about being in mommy's womb, about being born, you know, all these kinds of issues. Um, and remember there's six of them? One's a horse, when he rolls around, he's born with a twisted leg, learns how to do tricks. Uh, um, there's the monkey, Busy Betty Wiggles, the joy of life, like parents were babies too. Oops, a baby, which is a skunk, big tail falls off and feels different. Tommy Two Toes, that's a fawn. This is a miscarriage and, and the twin on the other side, comes to help him stand and walk. We Willikins at the hedgehog. He's too small. Uh, he's afraid of uh, his mother and others won't like him. We've got the kitten, Sally Susie Q. Of so many babies in the womb, she, she suffocates and almost dies and comes back. So you have all these kinds of, of issues and things that happen to, to babies. And you can now talk about it and, and have fun talking about it, going through these delightfully illustrated books. It's the Animal Lights series. I love it. Such a great resource for, for parents. I was just gonna ask you, what, you know, how did they begin that conversation with a young child? So um, go check out her book, The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact. So before we come to a close, can you tell people how they can, um, how can they find your books and how do they sign up for your newsletter? Well, <laughs> um, my, my books are available through any bookstore, yes. 
Amazon, yes, uh, anywhere, uh, um, and even my even my website because I I have a book I have a bookstore say um, um, I have a bookstore place on my website. Right. Uh, and what's your website name? www.pmhatwater.com and just today the november issue issue of the of the a newsletter came out it's it's, it's called um newsletter for the curious <laughs> <laughs> because you never know what i'm going to talk about in my newsletters uh and that just came out today so uh again www.pmhatwater.com get over to newsletter um, sign up for future issues and there's an archive and you can see the november issue and you know go back as far as you want to go oh that's wonderful I, everybody go to her website pmhatwater a a t w a t e r just like it sounds dot com and sign up for her uh, newsletter. It's a wonderful newsletter with a lot of information of all different kinds. So I want to thank you so much, PMH, for joining us today and sharing your wisdom about children's NDEs. Thank you for what you, you're doing as a doctor. I mean, I love this, I love this. Uh, it, it, it's just a, it's a valuable, valuable gift that, that you're giving people. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Dr. Lottie, Science with Soul. Make sure you are subscribed so you will be notified of new episodes as they become available. To book a session with me or to sign up for a workshop or to see me as a physician, please visit drlottie.com or divinespiritualessence.com. My book, Med School After Menopause, The Journey of My Soul, is available online at Amazon as well as other online platforms worldwide.